you want to be creative, go do creative stuff. You want to be a writer, go write. If you want to have a great relationship with your spouse, date them. Why don't we date our fears? So I've increased my tolerance for pain here because I date my fear every day. Whoa, but I think right that stop down, there. That's a moment. I date my fear every day. Say more. You've gotten great at divine working, but what about divine living? Welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. I'm your host, Gina DeVee. You're not alone in wanting more. And here at the Divine Living Podcast, you can expect to be part of conversations from women like us who unapologetically dream big and are obsessed with manifesting our most fabulous lives. The conversation starts now. Hey, 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 my beauty. Oh my goodness. Welcome to today's Divine Living Podcast with my dear friend and special guest, Judy Holler. You are in for such a burst of enthusiasm and wisdom and high vibeness and girlfriend chats and especially for those of you who want to do anything with speaking, you are going to love, love, love. Uh, if you do this episode, if you don't already know Judy, she is a phenomenal keynote speaker. She makes her living as a full-time speaker, which I know is a goal of many of our listeners. Um, she's a top podcast host, a best-selling author. Um, she's always in the media. She's been in Success Magazine, Forbes. She's, you know, she's just, how do I want to even say this? She is like a rainbow of an episode. Um, coming your way. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and make sure you listen till the very end. Um, because especially for those of you who want to be speakers, you are going to want to see what she's got coming up. Judy Holler, I have been so looking forward to this interview. You and I became very fast friends when I was on your podcast and what you have to offer this world through your book, your personality, your enthusiasm, your prowess in speaking, I know is going to be a great, great service to my community. So welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. Mm, it's so good to be here and before we got on the air, I was showing Gina my crown necklace, like my word of the year is queen. And I felt that was so appropriate to wear for you today. But yeah, just great to be here. And, you know, thanks for sharing me with your, your beautiful listeners. It is my, my great pleasure. So I always love a good backstory. So we're going to get into where you're at today and all the amazing things you've accomplished, but let's just give people a little rewind before you had your own business and program and book and everything. What was life like for Judy Holler? Oh my gosh. Um, I was selling hotel ballrooms. <laughs> so sexy. I, sexy, sexy. Um, I was, um, you know, in school, I wanted to be, I went to, I was a communications major, radio, television minor. So I, you know, if anybody grew up in the MTV era, I wanted to be downtown Julie Brown. You know, I thought downtown Judy Brown had a great ring to it. So that was like, kind of like the path I was on, um, graduated, you know, I was on the six-year college program, you know, put myself through school. So by the, when I was graduating, um, it was the year 9-11 happened. And so the world just sort of stopped and, you know, jobs were hard to find. So I bartended forever. Long story short, um, a, a bar manager had a wife who was working in hotels and selling catering space. And I said, oh my God, hotels have more than just like 
bedrooms. There's like meeting space. And she's like, he's like, yes, you should go meet with her. So I did. I go to this meeting professionals international meeting and was hooked and got my first job in the hotel industry in 2002 and really built a pretty robust career. Um, international sales, moving to Chicago, opening hotels eventually for a living, um, really building a badass career in hotel sales and marketing and got to flex that performance skill just in a different way because presenting um, and selling big conventions into our hotel collections and certainly our destinations was a big part of my job. So how could I do that in a creative way, et cetera? So I just started building this like personal brand, right? Like picking up my- While you were working in the hotel industry? While I was working. So like getting involved in association boards and chairing committees and writing articles. And what you need to understand is that when I moved to Chicago and here's the big flashpoint, which really led me to where I am today is that by day I'm working in, you know, I moved to Chicago, get this promotion. I leave St. Louis, move to Chicago by day. I'm doing hotel sales and marketing by night. I said, I'm single. I'm new to a city. I've always wanted to try improv. Let's go take a class at second city everything changed because oh I started. Can we just like stop for a minute? Like I have goosebumps like, even telling like you that story. Yeah. Second city. Like, I mean, I like, like, okay. I get like, let's go take tango lessons or something. <laughs> I mean, like second city is second city. So yeah. continue. Okay. So I started with like, so if you're not familiar with improv listener, improv is a form of live theater. The catch is that we have no no script, right? The plot, the storyline, the characters, the and dialogue. This is the Juilliard of improv. If it you is will, the people. Juilliard of improv, the Second City Theater in Chicago, and Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Gilda Radner, Chris Farley. Like, okay. But I signed up for like level A improv, no audition required at the time, and just said, let me flex this muscle. I'm single. I don't know anybody. I have this extra time. And everything changed because what I started to realize in the improv theater as I advanced through the classes, ultimately went on to audition for conservatory, got in, became a alum, like changed my life. But what happened was by day in corporate, and I bet someone listening can relate to this, like I'm being told to like, Judy, be yourself, but will you copy us and let us know what you're going to do first? Or like wear whatever you want, but you got your pantyhose on, right? Like I came from old school hotels, right? Mm -hmm. So like, it was like, be yourself, but kind of not be yourself, but kind of not like take a risk. Eh, But like, can we talk to the senior vice president about that first? Like, let's get 10 people involved in this decision-making process. And at night in Second City, like I'm going out there and our teachers would be like, all right, guys, here's the deal. I'm going to need you to go out here tonight and I'm going to need you to bomb. I'm going to need you to fail so hard. I need you, I need, right? Like I need you to mess this up. So I have goosebumps, like so bad. And I'm going corporate Barbie, Judy's like, what? You need me to what? And they're like, he's like, yeah, I need you to go out there and F it up. I need you to break this. I I got, I got people need to soak this Mm -hmm. in. So many of us, whether you are from corporate or a church or just that family or whatever, we have been taught that you've got to do it perfectly to, to be safe. We've got to, we can't make a mistake. Like mistakes are illegal. And for you to have that training, that that's the, that's the starting place of go make a mistake. Say more. I mean, For me, at that point, it became go faster, be less perfect, go faster, be less perfect, which allowed me to take some really bold risks. So Gina, like here I am brave on the improv stage, taking risks with with my ensemble, trying things out, failing, having nobody show up to shows and doing it anyway, like all these really embarrassing things. 
that bled over into the boardroom. I started asking for more money. I started standing up first in meetings. I started asking for the mentors I wanted. I started going on, leaving the bad dates, going on dates. Like I started like putting myself into the arena and that increased my tolerance for pain. So all of a sudden, all this, this platform building I was doing in the hospitality industry, I was speaking about personal branding and putting yourself out there. What I realized, like doing all these free speeches to help people like figure out how to stand out and do great presentations and et cetera. What I realized in all the questions after my talk, cause I was like becoming a little detective was that they weren't asking me about Twitter or Instagram or any of the stuff that was coming online. They were asking me about what if I look stupid? What if I fail? What if I get fired? What if no one listens? What if I get it wrong? I'm afraid to sell. I'm afraid to pitch. How do you pitch? And I'm like, oh, this is about fear. This has always been about fear. So what if, what if I could take two things that have been around for a long time, fear and improv, and put them together and make them have a baby and sort of create something new. And I think that's creativity. So Fear isn't new. Talking about courage isn't new. Improv's been around forever, but no one was talking about how to make fear their homeboy. Okay. These two words put people into shutdown and paralysis. And you're like just revving up the engines. Like fear let's use it. Let's use it. Let's, because that's the game for me, the game, the game I'm playing with the universe, the game I'm playing with myself, the game I'm playing in this life is okay. How can I wake up every day and sort of increase my tolerance for pain because pain being fear, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, self-sabotage, perfectionism. Because if I can do that, I can do it because I need to move, right? That's the gift. All right. So one of the questions that I have for you, and you're like one of the only people that I've ever heard talk about this in your book, uh, Make Fear Your Homeboy is amazing, is good fear versus bad fear. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Let's break that down for a moment. What actually is good fear? Well, yeah, fear is incredible. This is why I love it. You know, well, here's the thing. Fear is actually really good at its job. It like never takes a day off. Okay. It wakes (laughs) up every day. Fear wakes up every day with one job and it's so good. It never takes a day off. It's only job every day is to stop you. Fear is actually really basic. It's whole goal in life is to stop you because here's the deal. If you change, If you do the thing, this is why it's always strongest at the finish line. Like if you do the thing, if you step on stage, if you press go, if you ship the book, like you will be different and you will change. And Mm. where does fear go then? So fear freaks out like at this notion because it doesn't want you to change. So it tries to stop you with all kinds of things like self-doubt and imposter syndrome, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. We need our fear. I, 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 um, talk about this in the book, this notion of like fearless. And I think that's the F word that is the big problem right now, because we all think we need to be fearless. And if you were really, cause we need our fear in some cases, like if you were really fearless, Gina, you know, like you would do crazy stuff. Like you would, you would never, you would, you would never pay your taxes, right? You'd never go to a doctor. You would eat lettuce with E. coli. You do crazy. You walk down dark alleys in Italy at night by yourself in the middle of the night. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's okay to do that in Italy, but maybe not in the worst neighborhoods of Italy. But if you're fearless, who cares? I'm fearless, right? Like that's crazy. And there's this great line in Elizabeth Gilbert's book called Big Magic that says, the only fearless people I know are five-year-olds and sociopaths. (laughs) Isn't that so good? I'm like, oh, that's so good. Like we don't want to be fearless because fear can, in some instances, keep you safe, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
But where we don't want our fear is in our creative work, at the at the desk with us, in our office with us, when we are in a conversation with us, when we're trying to ask for what we want, when we're about to step on stage to, to really do something extraordinary, right? When we're about to walk into a doctor's office and really do an appointment that could, could save our life or change our lives. Like fears can be great, but also fear can be really dangerous if, if we're not um, aware of the ways it can hold us back. So I really just call people out on this, this notion and you know, when I talk about this in my keynotes, I work as a keynote speaker. I always say like, okay, I'm about to go on a rant about the word fearless. So my God, if you have a fearless tattoo right now, I apologize in <laughs> advance, right? Like, but this is not the word. Like we ain't chasing fearless. We're chasing brave, right? Like brave is the game. Brave is the game. Brave is the game. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. Okay. So speaking, as you just mentioned, you're a keynote speaker, you have a course on speaking, you, you yeah. speak all the time. And like, what is it? The top two fears are death and public speaking. Yeah, you got so it. Why are, why are people so afraid of public speaking? Uh, well, I think number one, it's why I was afraid for so long and why sometimes to be frank, this is why I do the work on myself. Mm-hmm. You will I am way more comfortable in those uncomfortable situations now because I, it's my game. I play with it. Like you want to, you want to be creative, go do creative stuff. You want to be a writer, go write. If you want to have a great relationship with your spouse, date them. Why don't we date our fears? So I've increased my tolerance for pain here because I date my fear every day. Um, but I think stop there. That's a moment. Date my fear every day. Say more. Every day, I call them fear experiments, experiments. I trademarked it. Um, It is this notion of experimenting with your fear every day, keywords here, on purpose okay, to get more comfortable being uncomfortable. This is like the thing I learned in the improv theater. So like the only thing I know when I was in in those safe environments of collaboration in the halls of second city where we are, we were allowed to really F it up and do what we wanted to do. All I knew for sure is that what I I was in the lab, like I was getting braver. I was experimenting Mm -hmm. with my fear every time I walked in those doors and I'm like, Ooh, if I could do that in my real life, like what would happen? And it obviously blew up everything for me as I knew it. And now I make big money moves, make big life moves, make big investments. I'm never afraid to invest because I know when I give, I get right. Like I've changed. I started studying like energetics and frequency and abundance and 5d living and like all stuff that I was terrified to look at. Cause I wasn't ready to face myself yet. So again, this, this dance with fear is exactly that, right? We, we almost have to waltz with it a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, so sort of back to like our fear, what are we afraid of when we step on stage? I think the fear of judgment, the fear of people not liking us, the fear of failure, public failure, getting it wrong. Right. Um, and I always say to people, listen, the cold heart, I get it. Those are genuine fears, rightfully so. But the cold hard truth is this. People already don't like you. People are what we're afraid of usually has already happened. They're already right. They're already making fun of you. Like they're already judging you. So like the question is, who are you living your life for? So I don't know. I, I, I think you can work. 
I think you can work with it. I think you can get better. And the only way you get better on a stage uh, in life, in any of those endeavors you want to go do in the world is you've got to, you need the reps. You need the reps and the reps bring confidence, right? So I think we're afraid to be judged. What do you think? I wonder what your opinion, you do a lot of speaking too. And obviously mm-hmm. you're a world-renowned coach. Like when people come to you with their fear of speaking, what are, what are you holding for them? What are you hearing? Yeah, it's a really great question. It's, um, I think it's, it's, it's fear of giving themselves permission to be who Mm. they are. So it's the same thing that you're saying, but just a different skin. Um, I think that it is terrifying for us to not have the power that we innately have. So when we've given our power away, it's a terrifying experience. And Um, we seem to think that we can fake ourselves out with it if we're isolated and alone, but when eyes are on us and we've given our power away, that, that is a very scary place to exist. Um, so for me, the antidote is very much like claiming that power. And part of the way that you claim that is to care more about your own voice than someone else's. I love that on so many levels. Um, it is a lot, a lot. The reason we we feel out of our skin is because we feel out of control. And mm-hmm. that is that lack of power. I really hear that on so many levels. And I think that is a flip, a beautiful flip. Anyone could take to the stage with them. Like when you get up there and whether, even when you're selling, I do this when I'm selling, like you don't have a business if you're not pitching, you know, mm-hmm. that's a stage. You don't have a business if you're not um, putting yourself out there, promoting yourself. Like we have to position and package what it is that we do, because if we don't do that, that we're essentially stealing from the people that could benefit from it, right? And you have to be able to do that. And that's a stage. And I'm always, when I'm in that mode of like really having to sell myself, which we all are every day, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. how am I in service? Like, and even when I step on stage, it's like, okay, my stories can lend itself to the value and the impact I want to make, but this ain't about me up here. This ain't about mm-hmm. me. This is about mm-hmm. them and their transformation. And I think that makes me feel um, a little bit more in control of an uncontrollable situation. But Gina, this is like a perfect segue. One of the biggest lessons I've had in over a decade of speaking like professionally, that's how I full-time make my living is like as a keynote speaker is how prepared you are is how pro you look. Yes, at times we have to sit with the spirit and the source is going to move me up there. Mm -hmm. It's just like the improv theater, the way I can improvise, because people assume we're improvisers and we just wing it. You will never catch me winging it because Mm -hmm. I respect myself and my work too much and my audience. Mm -hmm. So I can allow the spirit, the divine source to move me because I know my work so well. Like I'm an athlete. I watch tape. I run rehearsals. I watch other speakers. I have done the work so that when I get up there and I know my work so well, that if I, when I lose power, when tech goes down, when I lose my slides, I'm, I'm, I'm in air quotes control of the process right? because I've got a plan. There's, there's a difference between spontaneity and being unprepared. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. But wait, we need to back up the bus. You dropped so many truth bombs here. Can we just say, I make my full-time living as a keynote speaker. Okay, everyone, let's let's say it together in Houston because I know how many of you out there, like that is the dream. You are mm. in the midst of a woman who just with confidence and almost like wasn't even one of her main points. I make my full-time I living do. as a keynote speaker. All right, so Ms. Judy Holler, 
for anybody that that has this be the holy grail for themselves how did you get started making your career as a keynote speaker i started mm-hmm. right i just started what a what lot of people first- what was your first paid talk? Let's, let's do that. Oh my God. I know it. Conagra foods. They flew me to, it was in um, New Jersey. Where did I go? Um, See, yeah, it was in New Jersey. I flew on a Southwest flight uh-huh. all the way. God bless. God bless. Nothing against Southwest. Yeah. I was like, this is, I'm like, I got paid. I think I got paid. It was big. It was my first, like, like big. Cause I was doing so many free talks and you, and I got to even tell you how I got the talk, which is the story in yes, itself. Yes, Cause this is why we have to put ourselves out there. But I went out, um, I have my first presentation. I remember setting my camera up and filming myself. It's so cringe. I wear so many dangly necklaces. I ruined all the audio. It like noise. it was just a mess. <laughs> it was great. It was a mess and it was beautiful. And it's me in the arena doing it. And it started everything. And I I think I got paid literally like $7,000, which is a lot of money. And yeah. I remember like crying on the plane home going, and I'd been speaking for free for three years and kind of leveraging those events and collecting emails and leads at every, I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. Like every talk, everyone yeah. listening. So you spoke for free for, for years, for three years. I'll yeah. You, so my friend, Stephanie Mansour, she, um, she told, so she's on the today show and media stuff all the time. And I asked her, I said, how'd you get that breakthrough? There's so many people that would want that. And she said, I pitched them every week for three years and heard nothing back until I did. And now she's on it like all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to get there, but like, was there ever a time during those three years where you're just like, what am I doing? And like, is this ever going to change? Or I don't want to talk for free or like, this is so good. Three years. Yes. And like, there is no work around the work arounds the work. Everybody's looking for five seconds to famous babe. That ain't it. Don't my course ain't that $7,000 paycheck. Yeah. No, like my core, my course ain't for you. If you ain't willing to do the work, but if you're willing to do the work, I'll tell you everything I've done to build my business. But here's what you need to understand. There is this, there's this BS advice out there. And I know, you know, it in the spiritual world, it's out there a lot. And this is what people love to tell people. They love to go just jump and the net will catch you just (laughs) jump. And listen, here's the thing. You know what caught me? My net, my net of preparation, my net of saving money for four years, my net of being smart, my net of like leveraging every speaking event and turning it into my paid one. So like I saved money, like I had a full-time job. First of all, I moved from a small city to a big one. I went from St. Louis to Chicago, poured rocket fuel on my opportunities. Doesn't mean you can't do things in small towns, but babe, it's going to be harder. Number two, I was side hustling. And I kept my full-time job for as long as I could. And I paid myself first, every paycheck. I tucked money away because I knew I wanted to do this. All those gigs that were free. I was like, I knew I was onto something. And so when I got paid, any speaking revenues went right into the bank. And I saved a little portion of every paycheck for my full-time job to fund this dream. So when I quit in 2016, Gina, like literally I did this until 2016, April of 2016, when my boss okay. at the da- at the time sat me down at the Lowe's hotel in Chicago over eggs. And he said to me, this is becoming too complicated. Everybody's talking. You have to pick. I set my fork down and I look at him in the eyes and I go, well, I don't choose you. And we put, (laughs) like, we put together an exit strategy. July 1st, 2016 was my last day speaking. But from 2012 to 2013, I started. Last day speaking, you mean last day with the hotel. Sorry, my bad. Thank you for 
catching that my last day, like in corporate, like getting a check that I didn't earn with my own like blood sweat. Like not that I didn't earn that money, but just, I was out catching what I was, I was earning. Right. Like the difference, you know, and I talk to people, particularly in corporate, a lot about this, that are making the entrepreneurial transition. There is a different psychology to getting a paycheck versus making money in your own personal brand, you know? And so people are like, oh, well, you know, I made 150 in corporate. I'm going to like replace my corporate salary. And I was like, (laughs) well, then you're going to cross a lot of psychological terrain. Cause I know what it was like for me of getting a check working for someone else and that just being there. And then actually the intimacy of I didn't think about how intimate it was going to be for me to receive money, especially for something invisible, like speaking or services. It wasn't like I was handing someone like a piece of jewelry that I had made. And so there's a, there's a a big train to cross, but continue. No, I love it. Beautiful jump in. And it's true. There is, I mean, again, I started reading about this sort of stuff because I was mentally preparing myself to receive. And what does it look like to hold this calling, this gift I know I have, you know, I was put here to do this. So am I, can I hold it? I can hold it. Well, how do I get ready to hold it? So I love that whole conversation. Um, but yeah, I just, it was the slow build. And so by the time the paid gigs, I think Conagra that, that first, I stole my full-time job at the time. That was one of the very final moments, but because I remember crying on the plane ride home going, Oh my God, I'm really doing it. Like, thank you, God. Thank you. Source. Thank you. Thank you for giving, like, thank you for, Oh my, I almost get emotional thinking about it because like I had wanted it so bad. And I think this is why, but I didn't know how to start. I was like, always the cool kid. I felt like, sorry. I felt like I was always outside of the cool kids. Like I wanted to be at the cool kid table. Like I saw all these people doing it. I go to all these conferences, watching these speakers on stage going like, how, like, how do you even begin? Who's going to give me a microphone and put me up there? Like where do I start? Yeah. Okay. So I got Conagra. This is why you have to put yourself out there. One of my best friends from high school, I was constantly posting on Facebook at the time about just here I am, here I am starting before I'm ready. Look at me at this little talk. Look at me doing my thing. I'm traveling here, free gig, free gig, paid gig, $500 gig, $200 gig. It didn't matter. People saw me in the arena. So she sends me and she went to high school with me. We hadn't talked in eight years. She sends me a little DM on Insta on, on Facebook and goes, Hey, I see her speaking. We have the sales meeting. You should talk to my boss, Mark. She gets me on the phone with boss, Mark. Mark loves me, books me. The rest is history. And that was such a confidence booster but also a reminder, ah, you've got to show up for yourself. You've Mm. got to ask for what you want and you almost have to be it before you're in it. Like I have to see her. I have to be her. I have to, you know, what does she read? What does she wear? What does she do? How does she talk? How does she show up on camera? Right? Like I had to be that professional speaker before I was actually Fully her so that people, yeah, and that good. So that's how I got it. And the rest is history that really set off into motion, the energetic, everything for me to like, go, okay, if I can do this once I can, I can repeat it. And I have ever since. Well, I love that you say that because, you know, I think that there's so many women that would say, okay, this is great. But the only reason why I got it was because I knew somebody from my high school that maybe, you know, the way women will like, well, like I just got that client because I met them at the networking event. Like there wasn't like 
a nod from the universe. You're on the course to your destiny. So what had you say, if I could do this, I could do it again when you really had an easy out, like, well, I only got this because someone from high school knew me. Oh, because I, at the, I love this question. I think at the time I knew, I knew I wanted to be doing this. I had built up some runway. Keep in mind, this probably was 2015, the Conagra gig. I was doing so much work on myself. Mm. I was in the improv. I was doing every night in the, in the gym, uh, lifting up the weights of discomfort. And I was reading and consuming and studying. I was doing so much work so that I, I didn't even go into the why me. I didn't even, I wouldn't allow myself. Yeah, your no, mindset was too strong for that. I couldn't that's have, a low vibration to like reach for that level of fear and doubt and lack. So I get it. Yes. You were too high for it. All right. Yes. And, and Gina, to your point, the other thing to add here, that's beautiful is we do this as women all the time. I think we talked about this on my show. If you want to receive that thing you want, you better be able to receive a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So if you can't take a compliment, how will you ever take your career to the next level? Mm-hmm. So if you are going to, if someone's going to compliment you on the way you look and you downplay that, if you doubt, like, how will you ever get like, so I knew I was reading at the time. Like I knew, no, I earned this. This is mine. Right. And, right. and For that sure. was an energetic choice. Claim and mm-hmm. yeah, you have to claim it. Yeah, yeah. You have to claim it. It's hard, but you have to do it. So life as a full-time speaker. Let's now, you're like, and the rest is history. Well, we're going to talk about the history right now. So paint the picture for us. What does that look like for you to get speaking gigs? Do you sign up with the speakers bureau? Do you like, is your like average day sending pitches, researching conferences? Like what does life look like for someone who wants to be a full-time speaker? Yeah. I mean, life looks like at the beginning, bureaus usually come on average, unless you've got something that can bypass it, like a PhD or a certain celebrity status or a super infamous TED talk or something that goes viral. Most people, 95% of normal people who want to get in the speaking game, bureaus aren't going to touch you until your fee is in the five figure range. And you've had at least 50 reps paid speeches on stage. They're going to ask you for that. They want tape. They get a commission 25%. So, I mean, you're $2,000 $2,000 speaker, 20. I mean, they're not, and they represent hundreds. So you in the beginning are the business and it looks like pitching and sales and building talks and going after, um, targeting. I targeted a lot in the beginning. My verticals were associations in the meetings industry and in the marketing industry and in the space that I knew I could leverage the audiences, meaning like the American marketing association, for example, or meeting professionals international, they have chapters all over the world and in every state in the United States specifically. And I knew that maybe that gig would be free or maybe 500 to $2,000. Great. But I knew that audience was made up of people working for corporations or meeting planners who I could blow away, then they would then bring me. It's literally how I built my business. So I would collect leads. This is your, this is your job at the beginning to get in front of as many people as you can leverage that event by asking for emails, say, put your email here for the information from my talk. Do you know anyone who could benefit from it? Get those leads, put them into your CRM. You follow up and you do it again and again and again and again. It's pitching, it's sales, it's rehearsals. Yes, I hired a coach who understood bureaus and the speaking industry. I 
remember being on a payment plan um, at the very beginning. I had, a, you know, it was like $10,000 for the year and I did a payment plan, but it was like something that paid back tenfold. I took courses. I consumed everything that I could to understand the business of speaking as best as I could so that I could really build a speaking business, but you won't have a business if you're not selling or pitching. And so the early days really look like writing a good talk, watching tape, getting coached on that talk, putting it on stage and hear me loud and clear. When I tell you this, here's how, you know, you have a good talk. It is not the standing ovation. They're great. It's a vanity metric. People can manufacture standing ovations and it happens all the time. There's so much vanity poser nation. Metric. I love this. It's a vanity people. metric. It's great. It's great for the ego. I love them. Are you kidding me? They're the best. They're so much fun, but here's how, you know, you have a real a talk. Like, you know, you're ready. Your speech is ready. When someone comes up to you after your talk and says, Oh my God, I need to bring you to my organization, my mm -hmm. husband's company, my, this, my, that when one gig turns into the next, because the old wives tale in the speaking industry, which isn't old, it's very relevant is that when you speak, you speak, when you speak, you speak. So if you aren't getting leads on the other side of a talk, if you aren't bringing back into your people, into your community, it's turning into something bigger. You're not good enough yet. Your speech God, isn't there yet. And, and that's since, the cold, hard truth. Since the pandemic, a lot of my friends who are um, either part-time speakers or want to be more full-time speakers, they've been, you know, during the pandemic, obviously everything went virtual. Yeah. Where are we at in the world? Is it back to exclusively in person? Are virtual talks still a thing? What's the terrain like? I am back on the road like it was 2019. I do have, I just got a lead yesterday for a virtual talk in June, really, really short term. I think my booking windows have tightened up. So I'm booking most of my business within, you know, sometimes like again, 30 days, but really like three to five months every now and then the associations are going to be planning for next year. Corporate, mm -hmm. it's a, like a three to five month booking window associations about uh, a year out, but we are back. I mean, I am back on stage and there is nothing better. And I am so happy about it, but I love there's hybrids. Hybrids are still a thing, which means you're going to be performing on stage and broadcast to a hybrid audience, which is important to know as a, as a performer, you know, mm -hmm. really understanding the scope of the room, which is why tech checks are so important. And those logistical conversations are important as we prep for a, a live event, like talking to our meeting planners about all of that. That's how you make a good talk. Who's in the room? like customized to your audience, you know? And, and so I, I know that you so love the in-person um, experience. I do as well, whether it's coaching and retreats yeah, or, or events, there's a lot of moms and people that just don't want to travel. So are, can someone um, create a full-time career out of virtual talks? Sure. I, you know, listen, you would, there's it's different. It, I, I, you know, I don't know anyone doing it. Um, but here, okay. listen, I live in the world of everything's possible, babe. Maybe you can go figure that, figure that out for yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I mean, that's coaching virtual people are throwing virtual events. Um, you know, but to be like a main stage keynote speaker, that's going to require you to travel. And that's a trade-off of the biz. Not yeah. everybody understands that you will miss. And there's no sick days. Like I've been on stage with the flu. Now, unfortunately, if you get COVID, you have to leave events, which is a bummer because guess what? You give your money back too, unless your contract has a certain clause, but you're going to lose your deposit, no doubt about it, or at least the second half. So people don't, I've missed funerals. I've missed weddings. Like if you were booked on a job, you mm -hmm. are either missing that event or giving the money back. And some people aren't in the 
in the space to be able to right. say, oh, my fee, it was $20,000. Here's a $20,000 check. I'd rather go to my friend's wedding. Like, right. like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so these are hard decisions to make. A lot of airports, travel, turbulence, planes, flights all over the world and beyond. It's incredible and it looks glam, but it's tough. Um, so it is a hard game to be in, but it's a really beautiful game to be in too. And there's ways to travel like a pro and protect yourself. But I think someone could do that, Gina. I've never okay. seen it done. Um, I couldn't do it. Get, you know, I, well, I, it, would, I, it would take so much of the joy out of why you oh, do what you do. And but. the impact and the people, and especially my talks, I use improv on a stage. So, you know, it's harder. To, I did improv virtually. It's, you know, and we did it. We, it was cool. And we, I still do it. It's just, you know, it's not the same. So that was just on behalf of, for all the introverts out there, I just had to get the question in, but <laughs> yeah, you could do it. But I think if you really want to speak, you're going to have to put yourself into the arena. You're going to have yeah. to dance with your discomfort. And, um, and that's oh, what most people want that are looking to do speaking as a yeah. full-time career. So let's talk about your speaker school. Like what mm. do they learn in it? What, what do you teach in it? What do you not? So people can get a flavor. I love it. So my course in a nutshell, it's called, I know, really genius, really genius speaker school, but easy to remember. Hello, marketing. Um, but it's really about the business of keynote speaking. So Gina, maybe we start here. Here's okay. what it is. And here's who it's for in one sentence. Speaker school is an experiential course for you to see, feel, and find the confidence to step on stage and shine. So it's for two people. Whether you are ready to literally build a speaking business like me, like you knew in your heart, like I want to be a keynote speaker, like that's all I want to do is for you. It's a roadmap. I got you. I had no idea where to start. I'm going to hopefully help you accelerate that process. But it's also for this sort of like lying dormant world of queens and women and people who have these businesses, these brands, these products, right? to help them leverage the stage to sell more stuff. Like in my opinion, the bottom line is this, nothing will grow your brand, your business, your bank account, your network, your life more than like stepping on stage and speaking. It's I only wrote, I literally truly wrote a book. I talk about this in speaker school to become a uh, you know, to increase my speaking fees, to become a more sure. legit speaker. And I ended up getting the book bug and I'm so glad I wrote my book, but it sold so many books and it brings so many people into my community because every time I'm on stage, I'm able to be in service, which just grows my platform. So the the course really covers um, three big buckets. We call act one, like the opening act. Gina, this is like you building your business. It's mindset. It's honing your message. It's writing your first speech. It's building your brand. It's pitching, it's sales, it's lead generation, it's finding stages. It's, you'll love this. We talk about money mindset and abundance codes and speaker fees and like how to do that. And of course, systems. And then act two, we call the main attraction, which is really you, right? Um, When you get booked, now you've got your talk and your message and you're ready to get on stage. Cool. What's your contract look like? How are you, what's audiovisual look like? Do you do tech checks? How are you slaying the stage? Performance tips, traveling like a pro. And then act three is really all about the encore. Like what's that legacy on the other side of the stage? Working with bureaus, agents, building relationships, building a team, passive income, 
mm-hmm. off the stage. And of course, like high performance ha- habits. So um, handouts, all my contracts from all my lawyers. I even do, we put in Gina at the very end, my signature keynote called Everyday Improviser. And I give it to you and then I coach it side by side. So wow. I give... I give you, um, my coach gave me permission to do this too. I, I write a speech, all my speeches with a woman named Tamsin Webster. Um, I call her my speech whisperer. She like was uh, like created TEDx Boston. Um, and she has this thing called the conversational case that I paid $10,000 for. She's letting me use it. Like talk about divine Beautiful. abundance energy, like literally asked me for nothing other than just like go forth and crush this Judy. So it's in speaker school, but I'll take the conversational case. So you can see how I write my speeches. You can fill it in for yourself. And then I'll walk you through at the very end of the course, like my speech, how I did it. So you can kind of see it play out in action. And then of course you get me every month with all my rockstar speaker friends. So live coaching and just like meet agents, meet bureau partners, meet my, I have a a friend who is a hundred thousand dollars a keynote. Like, let's talk about how you got there. So you get access to my people every month for six months as as well. Oh my gosh. What a robust program. All right, ladies. Well, for those of you that are interested in speaking once part-time, full-time, whatever it is, link is in the show notes about how you can get in on this incredible, incredible opportunity to learn, to be mentored, to Mm. like discover what it is. If, if, you know, when you see someone doing what you want to do, you have to know that it is possible for you. So you don't get to look at Judy and be like, well, she can do it because if the desire is in you, then get close to Judy and you will do it uh, because as because you're meant to do it as well. I love you, that. So for a full-time speaker, and obviously there's so many variables and different speaker rates, how many, so let me just ask you about on average, how many talks do you do a month? A month, it varies because there are slow and heavy seasons, but I would say like next month I have six, (laughs) this month I had two, right? It varies, but I say I... I am ebbing for uh, over the past couple of years. And even through the pandemic, I got so lucky because I was able to not lucky. I, I, I take that back. Good, I, I was earned my ability it. to improvise and go virtual, which required a whole learning. How do you figure that out overnight? But we did. And that helped me. So I still kind of am pacing at this 50 speeches a year. Um, but that's a lot, Gina. So I'd love to bring that back and, you know, raise fees to be able to um, have a little bit more of a life and less on the road. But I I say on average, I'm doing my sweet spot is like 40 a year. I'd love like okay. 40 great full fee speeches a year, you know, three to five a month. I love it. That's kind of my sweet spot, but there are months where I'll have 10 Gina and it just depends. We ebb and flow sure. fall is typically convention season in the speaking world here in the States. So I get really busy in the fall. I get really busy in like January, February, March when teams or sales kickoffs and all of that. But I'm also working with a lot of beauty brands right now. That's a vertical I'm going after. I have a big event with L'Oreal and they run all year long. So, Fun. you know, it just depends on the vertical too, but, um, you know, I'm aiming, you know, 50 a year has kind of been my, my rule of thumb. And, you know, I'd love to do about 40 a year at my full fee, um, and be able do to you go share what that is, what people can aim for. Oh my, yeah. Oh my God. My fee right now is, um, where I'm at 30, right? So plus my travel and everything. Yeah. So 25 plus my travel. Um, and then that can change, you know, based when bureaus get involved. Uh, but that is, that has taken some time and I'm probably, I'm probably leaving some money on the table there, but you know, I love that fee cause I'm really, I'm busy at that fee and it allows me. Well, yeah. Know, yeah. That's what I tell my clients too. You know, there can be such a thing in the industry where like yeah. the 
the the sparkle in the dazzle is about raise your rates and it's like eh, i'd rather have you have more volume and consistency if like if you know you can sell something at a certain rate and what i teach is only when you're busting at the seams when you really couldn't take on another client or another speaking gig or uh you know something like that do you really go raise the rates but you know there's a lot to be said for the joy of consistency Yes. And we have just come out of a pandemic. Like I hadn't raised my fates. I, I was 20 um, from t- in 2019. I was 20. And then of course we're not doing, I mean, everything was virtual and your virtual feed typically for those listening. Like if I go on a zoom, it's half, usually 50% of my keynote fee. Right. Um, so you know, that changes things. But, you know, I sat here this year and I'm like, I haven't raised my rates and, you know, come on, it's time. I have gotten all this experience. I've been a decade in the business this year. Yep. Let's go, let's move it up. And I, I always say my rule of thumb is this, Gina, and you can steal it too. Um, when I have a new fee, if I get the, if I get booked at the new fee three times in a row, it's my new fee. So well, I got booked three sure. times in a row without a question, nobody trying to discount me. I'm like, that's my new fee. So. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm so excited for women in the divine living community to work with you. So we'll have links for your book, speaker school, all things, but where else do you want people to go find you, follow you, all the good things? Well, my goodness, Judy Holler, J-U-D-I Holler, H-O-L-L-E-R.com is my website. Always the best place. And I think like you, Gina, um, I think this is like you, like Instagram is going to be the place mm-hmm. you find me at Judy, J-U-D-I Holler, H-O-L-L-E-R. And yes, that is my maiden last name, holler. Like I was literally born to live out loud. Like how do I not do this work in the world, Gina? Like that is the given name. You know what I mean? Crazy. So perfect. So perfect. Well, Judy, it is always such a joy to be in your presence and your energy and your heart and your generosity. Thank Thank you you. for sharing your wisdom today. And at ladies, go get her book, sign up for her course and follow her on Instagram. Love it. Thanks, Gina. Mm Mm-hmm.